Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Chris Graham with the National Racing Network, joined by Ben Carswell, James Watson, Jason Owens, Mike McCullen, Christian Jasper, unfortunately unable to join us this evening. Uh, well, he does real work for a living, unlike the rest of us slackers. Well, I guess you guys have jobs, too. Anyway. I don't. He's not here. I have a job. This is a fantastic way to start the show. It's Pizza at the Pagoda. We're previewing the XL375 from the Texas Motor Speedway. PJ is that how you pronounce the sponsor name? I don't know. No, I pronounce it. (laughs) (laughs) We're experts. God, I was just going to say, we are already into experts territory, and we are less than 90 seconds into this show. God, we are really good at what we do. Uh, We're going to come to James Watson first up, because on the broadcast of the Indy Pro 2000 race for the TNT Shock Series, they said you needed more Red Bull. What are you drinking tonight, James? Uh, Sunkiss Blueberry Lemonade. The hell? Yeah, and it's one of the best things I've ever drank. It is fantastic. It sounds like sugar. <laughs> it sounds like it's radioactive colored blue, so I can see why James likes it. Ah, you are actually correct. <laughs> of course it would be. Uh, ben, what do you have in front of you tonight? Oh, I have the classic uh, PBR. from. Oh! Well, we are going to Tejas, so a, a Pabst Blue Ribbon is, uh, if you're not drinking Lone Star, you might as well be drinking a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Well, it's for the Oval I wish we were at. Continue. <laughs> it's, it's representing Milwaukee. I wish we were oh, at Milwaukee instead. God, I would not want to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, St. Patty's Day. <laughs> that sounds fun to me. <laughs> I'm thinking cold, wet, and miserable. So slightly less Indiana than Indiana this time of year? That is correct. Uh, Jason, what do you have in front of you tonight? I am drinking the... um, Please don't make fun of me. I am drinking the Lagunitas Hoppy Refresher. It is a zero alcohol, zero calories, zero carb flavored hops drink. Ahead of... Just for that, you get a server mute. You're in timeout. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Jason's in the timeout chair for a minute here. All right. We'll Jason's bring him fired. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, just, we just fired Jason and rehired him in a moment. Uh, Mike, you're at Sebring. Uh, from I am at Sebring. The equivalent of the Coke lot, it sounds like, based on some of the pictures that you shared. Oh, for sure. What one one thousand percent? This is. Uh, it's a little safer than the Coke Lot, I'd say. Not by much, but a little bit. My wife is here. My wife will not camp in the Coke Lot under any circumstances. So that should tell you the uh, the relative safety. Okay. Well, what are what haven't you been drinking today, and what are you drinking <laughs> right now? I am drinking PBR. Hey. Yeah. I I tossed an eighteen pack of PBR in my cooler in New York and drove it down here. I'm drinking well, PBR until I go and resupply that beer later this week. Mr. Grove is a loose term. <laughs> Mr. Wine and Cheese is at the sportiest of sports car events 
and he's drinking a Pabst Blue Ribbon. To be fair, he'd probably get robbed if he brought wine and cheese. No. That's it's a just very not very portable. Uh, did have you guys watched? I wish Christian was here tonight. I, did I get unmuted? Apparently, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got I wish Christian was here tonight <laughs> because I went to Sebring today to look up the weekend schedule, and the uh, marketing material for Sebring on their website might, might might just might be the most Caucasian bullshit I've ever seen. It is all like 40 to 47 year old white males drinking beer in every single picture on their entire website. I'm like, guys, come you've just on. described all of Sebring. You have 100% described <laughs> every single person here, including Mike. Yes, <laughs> including me. Fair, but I, I don't and know, you, if you were there, we talk about. But right, but it's something that we talk about about branching out and bringing in new fans, and that doesn't. Do no, it. I agree. You should have put it on the flyer. Uh, well, it, as I'm <laughs> sitting here enjoying my Guinness Draft Stout because it is St. Patrick's Day weekend. Is it Tuesday, and I'm starting St. Patty's Day weekend? <laughs> yes, it is Tuesday weekend. <laughs> it F&A is right, Tuesday. Boys. I think. It's just been one long Saturday for me. I'm not sure where the whole thing is the time I left you. my house on Saturday morning is and where I'm at now. So I guess it's I have a guess in the fridge. But you did ride the auto train. So if you guys don't no. mute me quickly, we're going to turn this into uh, uh, rails and trails. Uh, at the train station. Podcast. No, never, never take the auto train. It was terrible. It was horrifying. It was the worst experience of my life. I didn't sleep. I thought I was going to die. He's well, Segway. Are we going to do a live race broadcast on Sunday for the IndyCar race? Let's discuss that afterward. <laughs> yes, no, we we're are. We're going to discuss it now. Let's do yes, content yes, planning okay. afterward. I say, yeah, yes, we are Not on live air, <laughs> but we'll give you all the details of it. Check the NRN socials and we'll give you all the details of our watch along. But you're damn right. There's going to be a watch along for this thing. Uh, oh, I'm joining from Toronto. I'm joining from my car driving home. You know, the race is in Texas, right? Your Jason? train car. No, 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 no. My actual car. I only took the train down. Oh. It, it, don't ask. That, that's Don't why ask. I said auto train. It's a special thing. Oh, it's it is a special thing. <laughs> Speaking of middle-aged white people, <laughs> auto train. <laughs> <laughs> and we just lost our last listener. <laughs> Holy crap! We had listeners. Okay, let's, move. Chris. Can we? Yeah. <laughs> let's let's move on here, um, and we'll open <laughs> we'll open the discussion actually with topic number three because there is no topic one. Because uh, the producer or topic idiot. number two. Uh, well, Texas. We'll come back to the Texas preview, but first we're on the subject. Let's discuss it. Why is IndyCar scheduled to run on Sebring weekend? Uh, because IndyCar are idiots. That's why. And this has so to do that's... with it. I, I get so, why Sebring is here, but they, they Sebring has been here for oh. 20 years, 30 years, years, 40 years. Sebring this, this has, Sebring this weekend. is, yes, this is Sebring weekend. I yeah, don't know why, like, I don't know why IndyCar refuses to even try date equity. Like, like I've said in past shows, 
you can, at the end of the year, after Road Atlanta wraps up and, and the IMSA season's done and they've crowned champions, you can then look at the calendar for next year and pencil in when every single IMSA race is going to be. Daytona's the end of January. Sebring is around St. Patrick's Day. Long Beach is the first weekend of, of April. Mid-Ohio, and you can just pencil in the entire IMSA calendar. An IndyCar just throws dirt to the calendar and goes... That's where we're going to have a race for the last five years. St. Pete has been the weekend before Sebring. We've IndyCar has started their season the weekend before Sebring, which was this great year for fans because they could come down for a full week and do both. Yes. This year, they're like, screw it. Even though there are drivers who do both. It's an endurance race. There's IndyCar drivers that have done endurance events in IMSA and and with the WEC here, same friggin' deal. I don't know why IndyCar is so hard-headed and so thick-headed to go, nope, we're going to race this weekend too. It is the stupidest decision that IndyCar has made. I don't know why they're doing it. And I don't know why they can't get it through their heads that date equity brings fans back to racetrack. Uh, well, let's, looking at the history of IndyCar in Texas, this is the earliest IndyCar race at well, in the state of Texas, on an oval, since 1979, when they ran at Texas World Speedway in College Station, A.J. Foyt winning in a Coyote Foyt-powered Gilmore Racing entry. In the Do we think they're trying to get a cool track to get away from how terrible the reconfigure and, air quotes, resin are? That's that's not a bad idea because the this car has proven that in cool conditions it puts on amazing racing. Like that's what that's why last year's Indy 500 was so exciting because it was a lot cooler track. So cars were able to follow closer and we saw a lot more passing. So that the car might, might have been weekend. what they were. Yeah. Next weekend. I just don't know why they have to go up against one of the crown jewels of the endurance schedule. It's just it's IndyCar. Uh, okay, can it's we, mind-boggling to me. Can we say I can picture how these discussions happen? Eddie Gossage was still the general manager and president of Texas Motor Speedway when this deal was finished. IndyCar says we're not coming back unless we get an early spring date. And Eddie Gossage, or whomever is now running the show at Texas, turns around and says, oh, yeah, you want to fuck us? Here's what one weekend we have before Sadly, June available. You're probably not wrong. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if, this, if Eddie Gossage was somehow involved in stupidity. It, it was a big, it, it almost has that feeling of it was a big dick-waving contest. It, As usual, it sounds, fans get screwed. It sounds very likely like IndyCar will not be back to Texas following this race. Which is a bummer because it's such a great market for corporate activation. But I also wish that we were going to Richmond. Um, but I'll shut up. Uh, well, I mean, this partnership goes back to the 96-97 original IRL calendar. 
Well, yeah, but the original IRL nor the IndyCar series absolutely destroyed the track by, one, reconfiguring half of it with a completely stupid reprofile and new generation pavement that doesn't rubber in the same, and then pouring track bite slash PJ1 slash Resin slash Dookie all over the upper lane of the track so that it can't run with open wheel cars. Like that's not IndyCar's fault. Neither of those things. Um, it can, we maybe call a little bit of bullshit there. I, I honest to God think Firestone could make a tire that would work. The problem is if you, you either run the PJ1 or you don't. And so the IndyCar guys all just say, I'm not going to be the one to get up in that stuff. I'm not going to run it in practice. So you never get any Firestone rubber in it. So, of course, you're going to have a one-lane parade down at the bottom of the racetrack. This is well, on, to be the, fair, the PJ1 you're 100% issues right. are on IndyCar, the drivers, Firestone, and the Speedway. Well, and... It's been multiple years of James' favorite driver calling out all the other drivers with New Hampshire double birds and telling them to run up there, and nobody else will. <laughs> it sounds like they're going to this weekend. It is very likely there will be a 30-minute practice session added at some point, and it may be post-qualifying, where you drivers will be required to run the PJ1 and everybody will be required to turn a minimum number of laps through the PJ1. Are they going to give them extra tires for that? Yes. Perfect. So th there's zero excuse not to do it. Correct. That is just a, such a ham fisted approach to this though. Well, the other it, alternatives just... that, that I have heard were, quite literally drag a device that is akin to piles of chain link fence over the racing surface. It's the tire dragon or chain link fence. I, or, I, have, I have a better solution. Knock down Texas Motor Speedway and rebuild it with what Texas World Speedway oh, used to be oh, called yeah. Texas Motor Speedway. Or rebuild Ontario or go to Nazareth or go back to Milwaukee or like, there's like 800 different things we could do that would be better than this nonsense. And what we're Dakota? literally same at state. The, we're at the underwater bottom end of the IndyCar iceberg right now. So hot take does IndyCar need Texas motor speedway or does Texas motor speedway need IndyCar or do they both not give a shit about each other? And this is just a bad relationship that is finally coming to its expected end. Yes. I think at this point, IndyCar does not need Texas and they are making that abundantly clear. However, and this is the big caveat that I'm going to put on that. They need to replace the oval. Right, and you got to have an oval before the 500. They are running a out speedway. of options. You need a speedway specifically. The, the, they have a perfectly good two and a half mile oval in Long Pond, Pennsylvania, that the IndyCar drivers are afraid to run at. And let every one of them come after me for saying that. My, well, my Twitter handle is if, open. If you're Long Pond uh, Speedway, 
would invest in a 21st century chain link fence and not a 1964 vintage chain link fence, we might have, be having a different discussion. Right? Uh, like, I I don't I, I disagree you, like, with that. Out of the hundred million that that IMS put into the Speedway, I have a good buddy that works at the fencing company that produced the brand new black fence for IMS. It was not inexpensive. It was actually really freaking expensive. And it is not an investment that I would ever expect uh, Pocono to make just for one race a year, unless they were also going to heavily invest and bring out the crowds. And they've not shown the ability to do either of those things. Uh, crowds were okay. Towards, towards the end of the run, the crowds were, well, they were IndyCar equivalent for the ovals at the time. Well, but can we talk about the fact that if they had invested in an appropriately cabled fence one or two years earlier, that maybe the okay crowds would not have had to watch a uh, driver become a paraplegic while they were there? Like, And then have the same uh, thing almost um, happen a year later. Right. I, the same okay, incident. This is the problem, and I. this is a hill I will die on. The problem with Robbie Wickens' crash was not the racetrack. The problem with the, the Robbie crash Wickens' itself, crash no. was Robbie Wickens. That was lap one, turn two, putting the car in a place that it probably shouldn't have been in lap one, turn two. But the if that's same an deal happened IMS the following fence, year. Does that wreck happen as badly? Yes. Are either of those wrecks as bad if you have the updated and updated cabled IMS fence at Pocono? Yes, and they are. Screwed. They are both equally as bad. Robbie Wickens' car went from 215 mile an hour to stop. You have to stop flying race cars. That's not Pocono's problem, and it's not Texas's problem either. Because if you put them in a situation where they can run too wide. Are you getting into Kenny Brackett, Texas, or even worse, say, Las Vegas Brackett territory Brackett again? Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I literally pressed the mic, and I was like, I'm going to let Chris finish this before I drop my, was that a Kenny Breck reference? But, yeah, we were on the same page there. The The Kenny Brack wreck was not Texas's fault. I The Kenny Brack wreck almost made me stop watching IndyCar. And then somehow I'm an idiot and continue to watch through Vegas and Dario in Houston and all the things that we, like, uh, well, let's, let's, let's go so. back through history here. Ryan Briscoe at Chicago land. Yep. Ryan Briscoe at auto club. Scott I, Dixon almost at Indy. Yeah. And, and those are the ones that, these guys got away with it. And I remember a lot of them that they didn't. It does. NBC used that, that Dixon incident in their marketing for years. Last year, they were still using it. Yep. Well, that's not surprising. I mean, Fox used the Ryan Newman wreck from the 2020 Daytona 500 in an ad a week after the crash. So, yeah. Network yeah. Whores. yeah. That's it. it until you get people that love the sport handling the marketing, I'm not talking about the production. I'm talking about the marketing side of things. 
until you get people. I mean, that NBC love the showed doing. the Wiccans crash at least four times during the twenty-four. Mm-hmm. At least. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's move on here as as we're can, hitting. Can the, see the rails from here. Uh, barely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I see the rails, and we're way off them. Let's let's move ahead because we do have a couple of big stories to talk about here. Let's talk about Texas. We talked about the PJ one. This is also a certain greatest of all time NASCAR drivers first race in an IndyCar on an oval. Ben Carswell, do you have a little bit of a chubby already? Uh, yeah, and I'm also going to bet money on it. Because so you mean three time uh, under the correct points? Not uh, champion. He won seven championships under the points and championship structure of the series at the time. I completely championships agree. Are valid. They are valid. The points schema was invalid. This is not a Jimmy schema? Johnson. Yes. Schema. What in the? This is. Look at the words you have to pull out. This is, is, these are the words you have to use when you're drinking zero alcohol, zero calories. Are you on the wrong podcast, Jason? Are, are I think you you're sure on the wrong you know, podcast. Jason, let me drink. talk to you are about you sure Jimmy about Johnson. That? <laughs> let me just go ahead and talk to you about Jimmy Johnson at Texas Motor Speedway. Okay, he's you not even going to finish on the lead lap. You have the four cars. You know who has the most wins? You know who has the most wins at Texas Motor Speedway? It's Jimmy Johnson. He has seven. You know his most top fives. How many it's does Jimmy he have Johnson. since the reconfiguration? Zero. I'm not doing all that. I'm not doing all that. <laughs> he has six. How many does he have in an Indy car? Twenty-two top tens. He has led the most laps. He's led eleven hundred laps there. Okay, we watched Scott McLaughlin, who was undeniably a talented race car driver, who had never raced on an oval, walked in there and almost beat Scott Dixon. You think a guy who is a champion oval driver, who has dominated Texas, can't go in there and get a top three or top ten? No, because Jimmy Johnson's because Jimmy Johnson's pushing fifty. That dude yeah, has more Jimmy gray Johnson. hair than. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, gonna... careful. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I Chris represent Graham? that comment. Whoa, no. <laughs> what a dick. Watch it, the For the record, that was not angry. me. That was not me. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so. No. We've had to suggest that Jimmy Johnson will not get a top 10 is ridiculous. It's, if, if that is an available bet, I'm going to put my bankroll. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Just for you, I'll put ten back, ten bucks on Jimmy to win, ten bucks on Jimmy to finish top three, and I would put it on him to finish top five. But I don't think anybody actually offers IndyCar top five odds. No, they won't. They'll offer top win in top three. I'm putting something on top three because for one, he's going to be, and this is genuine advice, not just me being a blind Jimmy fan. He is going to be incredibly <laughs> cheap at those odds. Like his odds will be very low. Well, but not after Vegas listens to our podcast. Well, yeah, nobody listens to our podcast. Vegas reads my tweets. And they adjust accordingly. Are you sure it's not just a person from Vegas reading our tweets? No, it's actually the the entire city. 
Brad, I was going to say, if anyone from the city of Las Vegas actually listens to this podcast, I will send them $10. <laughs> because I don't think that actually... You're getting comfy sending out $10. Can you send me $10? I asked them. I want 10 bucks. I don't need 10 bucks, but if you're giving it out... <laughs> That's going to buy Mike another six-pack of James and I probably need it more than anybody else. Yeah. James and I are the ones who are, who are not, you know... Well, you guys can split yeah. my 10 bucks. All right, we will get to the discussion of gambling on Jimmy Johnson here in just a little bit. But um, apparently, apparently, all hell has broken loose in silly season. Ah, After the first race. One race into this season. It is, uh, I can say, fairly well confirmed. Alexander Rossi will not be back with Andretti Autosport next season. Yeah. Well, okay. Now let me rephrase that. He is a free agent. He turned Who has not down, signed an extension. He turned down a contract extension that Andretti offered, multiple extensions that Andretti offered, and he informed the team that he would not be exercising the driver option for next year on the contract. He is a true free agent. He gone. Then today, from the what department? Hato <laughs> Award way, weighing a move away from Arrow McLaren, Schmidt Peterson, and McLaren. I'm not sure why the headline was written as AMSP and McLaren. So, is that a. He's trying to move closer to F1, or he wants to move up to the big boy Chevy team. Is this, what the fuck? I'm your F1 guy. What are you signing Colton Herta for? That's exactly where I was going with that. Because uh, let's not forget that one. McLaren signed oh, Colton yeah. Herta to an F1 testing deal. What, like three days ago? Yes. Yeah, and then immediately this news came out. That is, I'm Pato, hear me roar, I'm going to go do my thing. Yeah, that is Pato definitely feeling like a jilted ex-girlfriend. For sure. And I'm pretty sure the Herta thing, and I think I've seen it talked about in a couple of places, and if I'm stealing thoughts of anyone on the podcast, I'm sorry, I've my brain has been jumbled over the last several days. That oh, That seems awfully like a an Andretti and uh, Zach Brown United Autosport kind of deal. I'll be like, hey, we're friends. We're buddies. Yep. Like the United Autosport car, uh, The I saw the United Autosport hauler coming into Sebring today, and it's got a big all hashtag all Andretti uh, logo on the side. That's the United Autosport hauler bringing the, uh, the uh, United Autosport LMP2s in, so... Well, Pretty sure that that's, was, uh, this, this is where my questions about the Colton Herta deal come into play. Right now, he does not have the super license points necessary to get him an F1 super license for next season. Right, and so Zach does his buddy a solid. And says, I'm going to sign your guy and get him the testing miles that he needs to get the super license points. This sounds more like a business deal between Michael Andretti and Zach Brown and less about 
we want Colton Herta in a McLaren. That's we want Colton Herta in a McLaren Junior team. If I feel like that's kind of where Andretti is going, is to go be that Andretti or that McLaren Junior team potentially, because they have that big they have that business relationship. They've got United Autosport. You've got Walkinshaw Andretti United in in supercars. They've got their that entity exists. So to say, hey, if Andretti gets the sign off from F1, and it sounds like Zach is going to back that wholeheartedly, if Andretti gets the F1 team together like he thinks he's going to, does that become a McLaren Junior team? Effectively, well, double the ah oh, bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> is, is, is Andretti the Alpha Tauri to... Uh, beep, beep, beep. Sorry. Is, uh, is Andretti the Alpha Tauri to uh, Zach Brown to McLaren's Red Bull? Okay, so then the next logical question to me becomes, is Roger Penske shitting a brick a little bit as the owner of the IndyCar series, knowing that potentially an Andretti B team to McLaren next year could have Pato Award and Colton Herta in the driver's seat. I don't think so. There are enough drivers for IndyCar. Like we are like stuck up, like the backlog of drivers trying to get into IndyCar between the entire road to Indy, the guys coming from Europe, and the uh guys that have been here for a while but need to continue to improve. There's going to be no shortage of drivers with a fan following. And let's not forget that even though Pato has the mission sponsorship, for whatever reason, and he has admitted himself, he can't get a ton of activation or backing out of the fans in Mexico. So I think we need him in the series. But if we don't have him in the series, it's not a horrible thing. And that's really interesting to me because Mexican fans turn up for the F1 race. Are they only F1 fans? Is IndyCar as a whole not doing a great job of activating IndyCar? Well, yeah, they don't go there. Uh, Well, I I will say this. Now, this is showing my age, but the Mexican contingent that showed up when the happy birthday Jose Garza did his thing at Indy in the early 1980s he had a he brought a sizable Mexican contingent to the IndyCar fan base. IndyCar was huge to the point that they ran in Mexico for a very long time because they had the drivers that they could market. Quite frankly, it sounds like again the IndyCar marketing department is just not very good. Exactly. All you need to do is just look at Checo Perez over in over in Formula One. Like, look at every time F1 goes to Mexico. The place is absolutely packed full of crazed Mexican fans cheering their hearts out for Checo. There's no reason why we can't get Pato to the same level. It's a abject failure of IndyCar that we're not getting Pato to where he's the same level of beloved that Perez is. We are going hard on IndyCar's failures today. Uh, yeah, and We're things are going sense. well. well I was and that's say. kind of alarming. Well, 
go back to 1955 when USAC was founded and you'll find a pile of incompetence and quite frankly silliness at the top of the pile uh, American but, open wheel is synonymous with batshit crazy decisions <laughs> but but these conversations are good to be having at this point because now we're not just saying oh my god is IndyCar going to survive what the hell ha- happened to this series because of this stupid split it's now to hey you guys want to play with the big boys like F1 you got to step up your game. You can't be a minor Midwest focused series. If you want to have international panache, you want to have your drivers be, you know, world superstars. You've got to step it up and start marketing to your middle-aged white men from Indiana. Jason. Uh, I get it. I I represent that comment, Mike. And I am also acutely aware that, in order for this sport that I love to survive, it needs to broaden its reach, it needs to widen its horizons, and it needs to meet women, underrepresented groups, and individuals who are not true racing fans where they are with things like, I don't know, Drive to Survive, which has brought all of these new fans into the F1 fold that would never even consider watching a race. What has IndyCar so done? Bad. It's bad. I've, it's I bad, but it brings fans four. in. It's bad. It's terrible. It's manufactured drama, Ugh. but it gets people tuned in, and then they watch on Sunday. They, they watch on Sunday. You get one person to go to a race, they're going to go to a race again if, if you make it something that they can get to. Put a and race where people can get to it. You go to a race, 100%, you're going to get a return fan. Yes. This product is too the good. The product is great on the race weekends. And that's why, like, look, I'm not a fan of any of the four acts that are going to be playing at Iowa. Right? But the fact that they have four national acts, pre-race and post-race, both Saturday and Sunday, means that somebody at High V which in in grocery where you have super thin margins and marketing is your lifeblood somebody said hey there's super thin margins at this race let's figure out a way to pack this place full of people so that they have a great time and come back in 2023 well and look at the activation that hyvee is doing you see it all over the indycar subreddit dude i people cannot are like, wait people are build. like hey yes. i'm in my hyvee and there's all this there's IndyCar stuff. There's all this stuff. Jack Harvey and IndyCar stuff all over the place. I can't right. wait for Hy-Vee to open their Indianapolis grocery stores because I'm literally only going to shop there. When I lived in and, Kansas and that's the City, thing, though. I shopped there. Hy-Vee, it was great. It's a great grocery store. Hy-Vee is promoting the hell out of that race. Bomarito promotes the hell out of Gateway. But it shouldn't be on the individual race promoters to perform to 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 perform to that level it needs to be indycar helping to support those promoters and push them along mid ohio doesn't promote that well because who's the who's the sponsor behind that honda you never see honda doing that type of activation because it's harder for them to do it as a national sponsor but there's got to be more activation around these individual events and indycar has to get behind them and push them and it can't just be Hyvee bending over backwards to do this because they're doing an awesome job at it. 
Bomberita is doing an awesome job. And it's funny that we talk about how the series needs more ovals. You've got two promoters for oval races who are doing awesome jobs. It sounds like, and I don't know if I'm making this up or, or if, um, or if I, this, I saw this somewhere you know, or I just came out of a fever dream, but I thought that I, I had saw somewhere that the Iowa races were on track to sell out. They're doing amazingly. And that's not just yeah. because half of uh, the RIL and TNT communities <laughs> bought tickets to it, but. Well, let's here's, be fair. There's the, only like 19 of us. We're not going to sell anything out. Here's, here's the issue that we are going to encounter. You're talking, we talked about Pocono a little bit earlier in the show. Pocono's two media markets that they have to sell are Philadelphia and New York. The most expensive media market in the country and the fourth or fifth most expensive media market in the country. Iowa has to sell Des Moines and a 300-mile radius. Gateway has to sell St. Louis and a 300-mile radius. In a two-way fan base, that when you go back to the the all-holy IndyCar survey that they did with Nielsen Media, the biggest percentage they have ever seen of avid fans completed the survey. Over 75% of the survey respondents were con- considered themselves to be avid fans of the sport. When you look at the at some of the other data that came out of that, yeah. They need to move. 75% of people who responded saying that they were not attending a race this year said they were doing so because there wasn't a race local to them. So your IndyCar is sort of caught in a catch-22. IndyCar wants Pocono because they want the media markets. They want the easy access to New York City. The problem is... They want all the Fortune 500 guys that are going to take the helicopter out for the day and be in the suite. The problem is it's going to cost you three or four times as much to do the promotion, to do high V level promotion in the Philadelphia and New York markets is probably a four or five million dollar exercise minimum. That's but a hard sell that to a much... place like Pocono. Right. And that's why I'm saying that the series, Roger Penske is last I knew was was a billionaire, right? That, that is a thousand millions. <laughs> throw, a, throw a couple of those at pushing Pocono. Throw a couple of those behind guaranteeing a race at Watkins Glen and the promotion and the, the track and the promoter of the race isn't going to lose the money. If you want to get people to go to the track, you've got to push them to go to the track. You've got to make it something that they want to do and you've got to promote it. And that's been the catch 22 with, with Watkins Glen IndyCar races fantastically at Watkins Glen, but nobody wants to put a, put a race on because it costs money and they don't want to lose. Then they don't want to lose money. But the way that you don't lose money is to get fans there, but you have to promote to get the fans and and it's a catch 22. So everyone just sits there going, this I, this isn't worth the risk. Roger's got to guarantee these promoters to say, look, as the series, we want to have a race here. We want to get fans here. We'll sign a deal with you. We'll help support the promotion. We'll make it so that this doesn't cost you money 
and that you at least break even on the deal might make a couple of bucks and, to at least get it going. Here's the problem with that. How do you look Curtis Francois and the team at Gateway in the face and say, we give a damn and we really love what you're doing, but we're going to hand the Igdalski family a $5 million check to promote Pocono? How do you look at the it's CEO the of Hy-V and say that same thing? You're doing great stuff in Iowa. Keep spending all the money. We're going to throw a pile of it at Pocono or Watkins Glen or Richmond or Vegas or Auto Club. I mean, the reality is if you go back and look at the history of things, the Michigan 500, the Marlboro 500s that were air quotes sellouts, 95% of those tickets were free. They were giveaways to smokers. So, but the point is, and this is this is a socioeconomic discussion that goes far beyond the scope of this podcast, and certainly nothing that I'm an expert in, is this is the this is the same justification for well, how do you give somebody free college when I've already paid to go to college? Because them going to college makes them better, and together we all rise. Every single track in IndyCar and every single race in IndyCar benefits by bringing more fans more fans in and yeah if rogers got to throw a couple bucks at watkins Glen and at pocono to get races there and make them be successful it doesn't hurt gateway that he spend that they're spending money there keep doing it you're doing a great job the and then you get pocono and potentially in watkins Glen, and you get the potentially self-sustaining but give them a plan to do that well other than just saying hey we need races in the north there's no races in the northeast Period. My closest race, and I live in I live in upstate New York. My closest race is Toronto or Detroit. Those are my closest races, and I live in New York. And Wes lives in New York, and our, his closest races are Toronto and Detroit. Right? That that is an absurd statement that you're wiping out two huge media markets, and you've got. You've got racing fans. There's core racing fans in New England. You've got the people who are the short track fans. You've got the modified fans. You've got the, there are so many racing fans in the Northeast that are just being neglected for your middle-aged white men in the Midwest. I'm sorry. It's just true. You want to get more fans into the sport? Put races where people can get to them. And if that means spending some money, spend the damn money. I, I am not disagreeing with you. Uh, I think it's a, like you said, it's a more complex question than we can answer here on this podcast. And quite frankly, we're already 40 minutes deep into it. So let's move along to looking at prop bets for the weekend. Oh, wait, hold on. No, 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 no. I got to back this up. Because we're going about to, we're about to throw somebody under the bus here. You thought you heard him cursing at Indiana basketball. Just wait. Talking about silly season. We ignored maybe the biggest puzzle piece in this whole thing in Alexander Rossi. Mr. Owens, is Alexander Rossi the Carson Wentz of IndyCar? No, because Alex Rossi came a lot closer to a championship. One, no, because Alex Rossi actually won the IndyCar championship. or the Indianapolis 500 himself, if he was the Carson Wentz of IndyCar, he would have gotten out on, I don't know, like lap 101, and somebody else would have won the race for him. So, (laughs) 
Uh, you could really feel. Um, well, okay. I, I feel like Carson Wentz. Actually, I'm not going to speak any further because it would probably remove our last three to four fans from ever listening again. Uh, well, I, and the reason I asked the question that way, Alexander Rossi was not a real pleasant human at the end of his time in F1. And it sounds like he's not a real pleasant human now towards the end of his tenure with Andretti. So it, I have a thought, much... I have a thought on that, Chris. Yeah. And there, so a typical race car driver tends to be a highly extroverted individual. I, I feel like a Alexander Rossi is one of the few potentially very introverted race car drivers. He is highly talented. He does not get energy from extroverted from being the life of the party etc and because of that he gets talked down or he gets like i'm not a huge alexander rossi fan i think he gets unfairly called out in the media on the socials etc and okay so for counterpoint jason Go ahead. Can I offer a counter? Shane Van Gisbergen in supercars is the same way. He's quiet. He's soft spoken. He drives like an absolute animal and he's not in the a car. Dick to people, I get. But he's yes. not a dick to people. And, Rossi and I feel like is. he's learned that, and I don't think Rossi has learned that yet, and he should. But it, it's it's the same deal. Like Shane Van Gisbergen. Like, yeah, you can see when he's sad. You can see when he's upset. You can see that, like, you know, he has a race where he ends up on the podium and he's not happy and he'll just wave to the he'll wave to the fans, take his bottle of champagne and, and leave and leave the podium. But he's not outwardly a dick like Rossi is. And that's just become really hard to stomach. And I was turning around on Rossi for a while with the podcast with Hinch and then he's just been so negative on that. And the fact that nobody from Andretti or IndyCar has either pulled the plug on that or said, hey, Alex, you're coming off like a jackass. Stop it. It, it is just mind boggling me because it makes him look bad it and does. it makes Andretti look bad. And, and I think some of that he's in a really bad place right now. Like, and this is totally I have no insider knowledge. I only see what I see in the media, but it doesn't feel like he's happy in, or content or feels successful or that he has any kind of achievement potential in his current situation. And it sucks. But even so it's his job. I'm sure you've had jobs that you haven't liked. I'm sure I've had jobs that I haven't liked. I don't go off and be a dick to my customers. And to be fair, racing fans are customers. You don't go off and be a dick to your customers or dick to your co-workers just because you're having a bad day it, I, I agree it's one of those it's like a super fine line to work or a super fine line to walk right like i agree with exactly what you're saying but i also really empathize with the situation that he's in well, and how hard it is to put on the brave face right like air quotes put on the brave face um i guarantee you if he goes to a different situation where he is happy and successful, we would see a completely different Alexander Rossi next year. 
Would we though? Because James, even when he was winning, he was still kind of grumpy. Uh, James, let's let's get he, your was opinion he really on this here. Winning, like he won a couple races, but he was never. He was in championship really contention. Once. He was in championship, con- yeah, but he still was. And even then, he just never seemed like he was super happy to be there. Well, well, by that metric, <laughs> Renus VK was until he broke his collarbone. Like. You had to bring up picks from St. Pete again, didn't you? James, <laughs> uh, James let, let's get your thoughts on this. I see you uh, trying to chime in here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a difficult thing for me to talk about because I'm it may not always seem like it, but I can I'm definitely in the Alex Rossi camp of, you know, extroverted or introverted uh not always nicest to people especially when he's going through a a tough time and uh shit he doesn't really want to deal with so it's it's hard for me to really be comment on this because like i understand where rossi's coming from very well and so some sometimes you just can't it takes strength to be able to to grit your teeth and not let stuff get to you and get you down and affect how you treat other people. Sometimes you just don't have the strength to wrestle your mind back where it needs to go. When you're Does dealing it? with stuff, there's you're taking so much strength trying to keep yourself together with whatever you're dealing with that when other things happen, you just have nothing left. And so your mind reacts on its own and it's almost always not a positive reaction or and it's not a reaction you yourself want to have sometimes you just can't help it that's your your mental state so i I really get where rossi's coming from with that (laughs) way too well i do too and my big question is if andretti has two three four hundred million to join f1 why don't they have twenty, thirty, or forty thousand dollars to get uh, Alexander Rossi a life coach to help him with that, <laughs> or even a media consultant? Right, he doesn't like, have to talk to the media and be a dick. He can just feel like, hey, sir. Like, so example in American racing, right? Bubba Wallace, same kind of guy. He said some stuff on broadcast where he's just like, look, guys, I don't want to talk right now. And then that's and if it. You, yeah. And if you've watched, I don't know if anybody's watched the documentary on Netflix. He totally admits to that. And you can see the struggle that he goes through sometimes with that. But they got him the help that he needed to work through the difficulties. Why isn't Andretti doing that with with Alex and and? This is totally us, sideline, armchair, quarterbacking. None of us are professionals in this kind of stuff. But, I, I, I mean, I am someone that has a family history and have dealt with neurocognitive and mental health opportunities. It's not a good place to be. And somebody needs to be there. I mean, is is this as simple as saying Rossi just needs new scenery? I think so. But Jason, yeah. you you bring up a good point though. Is that 
it once again, and we've talked about this in the past, it sounds like nobody Andretti is steering the ship and paying attention to this shit. Well, like, that, yeah, like, look at all the stuff Marco went through and did. And, like, look at, I don't know, it feels like Andretti is so focused as an organization on the, and I hate to say it this way, and I'm proud, you guys may kick me off the podcast for saying this, but I feel like Andretti as an organization is focused on the less important things of how do we look in the media? How do we show up? What is our, how many likes are we getting? How many, um, oh, how about them Hoosiers? How, how many, um, how many people can we get to tune in on our, live our instagram live and they're not focused on the long-term hard work that it takes to build mental resilience in their drivers in their team members in their leadership and to build a pipeline that is successful over the long term in indycar and compare them to ganassi compare them to pinsky hell even compare them to Carpenter Racing or AMSP, I don't feel like they have the leadership bench or the resiliency as a team as any of those other teams do today. And I feel like that's a leadership failure at the Michael Andretti level. Who runs Andretti Autosport? Who's running the place? Is is it Michael? Jajnian? Is it it the... uh, is it the the family? God damn it. I can't even think right now. Is it the Steinbrenner family? Like, who runs Andretti Autosport? Nobody knows. Yeah. Right? And- like, is it Brian Herta? Is it, like, who knows? And, and that's, Nobody and you make, knows. You make the great point, right? You look at Ganassi. The buck stops with Chip and Ganassi. And Chip exactly isn't exactly the warm and cuddliest guy. Chip likes winners. We know that he'll fire people who aren't performing. But... Scott Dixon has been around for a long time. You know who the hell is, is in the charge of the show at Chip Ganassi. You know that Ed runs his team. You know that Zach Brown is locking hold, down hold what's going here. on hold with up, McLaren. Hold because no, no, it, Chris, it's not, think about it's it for not a second. Chip, Chip is not running the IndyCar program. Mike Hall uh, no, runs the IndyCar program. Mike Hole runs it, but there's a guy running it. And it's like, you look this week, you had pictures come out of Chip Ganassi at at Pebble Beach, of Pinsky at Pebble Beach. Where was, like, I'm the hugest Mario fan. I'm literally wearing a Mario Andretti uh, Dean Van Lines Indy 500 Rookie of the Year t-shirt right now. Literally. There's no Mario or Michael Andretti on the tee at Pebble Beach with all of their championship programs and cars surrounding them. Because as much as I love Mario, and as much as I think that Michael had the most badass American Opal Wheel livery of all time in the mid-90s, I don't know that he's an organizational leader that that team needs today. I think a lot of this boils down to Michael Andretti is pretty perpetually focused on what's next. He and is a tactical leader, team. and there's he, nothing wrong with that. But they need a strategic leader. Correct. 
that there you need to have that Mike Hall type presence who's going to run the show for you week in and week out. And yes, the extreme E and Formula E and the LMDH programs and the, all these other things that he wants to get himself into. And now he's going to try to go balls deep in Formula One. Good luck. That's the best I can say to the Andretti Autosport team. How many teams and and business owners have we seen go flat bankrupt trying to play the Formula One game? Haas is close. <laughs> and, and Haas is spending more money, potentially. Yeah. I say and hemorrhaging money to that program. It's not as, to me, it's not as simple as saying this is what Andretti needs as a fix. I, I think there are bigger issues in play when you consider the fact that their top two talents are likely slash probably gone at the end of the season. And then you're talking about a team that is going to be led by Roman Grosjean and Devlin DeFrancesco. Andretti has big, big issues facing them at this point. And and I think it's going to be an interesting watch over the course of the season to see how this dynamic plays out, especially once we hit the month of May. Because if Rossi goes out and lights the world on fire at the Speedway and wins the 500 again, likely changes things. Uh, but with that, we, we do need to press on here as we get closer to the We haven't the talked show. a lot about Texas other than dumping on it for how terrible the track is. <laughs> um, well, that's welcome to uh, what IndyCar racing in Texas is. If they give them the extra practice, I think they're in good shape. If they don't. So, so do we think the new barge boards and the extra 200 pounds of downforce are going to make a difference with the cooler temps? That is so far over my head. We need West in terms West of doing? knowledge in, in so, how aerodynamics. IndyCar has so. updated the Speedway oval package with some additional uh, fins and lips. And I like, how about carbon fiber accoutrement to the undercarriage that add about 200 Good. pounds of downforce. More, more stuff that can break <laughs> off with a little bit of contact and ruin the race. But it's cool. all inboard of the... It's all inboard. So it should, air quotes on should, not be fragile or fragile. And allegedly. Allegedly. Practice in your Italian for your Italy trip. <laughs> Buongiorno. <laughs> scusi. No, scusi. Uh, no, <laughs> if we don't get one, it's a me, a Mario, out of you over the course of the it's next It's a me, trip. a Mario. <laughs> yeah, we went. No, there. but I, I really think IndyCar, as much as we dump on them, they have really tried to update the package. And if we get the extra downforce, the cooler temps, and we rubber in the travesty that is, and before I say it, is renaming Trackbite or PJ1 or whatever it's called to resin the worst attempt at a rebrand in the history of marketing? I don't know. But a stain... If, if they try and if, rubber it in, if, 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 but if even one of those ifs come and somebody can run in it 
I mean, Pato tried to run in it last year and had one of the most balls out drives and saves to get the win that I've ever seen. So God, I hope the cooler temperatures don't help because if they do, they're probably going to try to go up against the Daytona 24 next year. <laughs> that, that would be IndyCar. That is a very accurate point there, Mike. All right, it's time for prop bets and picks for this weekend at Texas. We will kick things off with the prop bets. Uh, I am going to do these in alphabetical order. So, Ben, get yourself ready here. Uh, At least this first one, anyway. Ben, the number of laps before somebody wrecks in the PJ1. Like 60. Enough for the race to, like, flatten out and people to start trying things. Like, it, it'll be calm for the first pit. They'll just get their lines through the belt. And eventually, somebody will go, hey, I wonder if that works. And it will. Okay, so we've got Ben in at lap 60. James, how many laps do we go before Will Power spins in the PJ1? Well, it's a... It depends. The question I have is that are they going back to the PJ1 or are they using the new resin that J that J08 was just ranting at it's just the a same little crap. bit ago? It's the same crap. Ah, and they're it's going literally, to try to run it's it in. That's the it's thing. so close on the molecular formulation that it's literally a similar product. They literally changed the brand name from Trackbite and PJ1 and started calling it resin. See, you say that, but I've seen a few of the races that NASCAR had with the newer resin. And honestly, you mean like this week at Phoenix where bad. nobody ran in it? Um, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> as a Chase Briscoe fan, uh, you won't hear me here saying anything bad about uh, this past Sunday's race. So, um, but nobody it, ran in it. But no, I've James, seen, I hate to break this to you, but IndyCar and NASCAR are different series. I'm not. And they race. Yeah, <laughs> They both have car in them, okay? I learned it by watching you. <laughs> wow. Anyways, oh, that's I'm a saying it's cut. not going to be at, it might not be as bad as people are making it out. Okay. Are you saying we don't see a wreck in the PJ1? Or whatever. I'm we're saying we're going to see wrecks adjacent of the PJ1, but that will be because of, well, people wrecking and not necessarily because of the lack of grip. Okay, so we're going to say no wreck for for James well, here. I, I James think... just stole my answer because I was actually going to go with that with the updates and the uh, planned practice. So I'm going to go with lap one. Closest without going over. The Price is Right school of thought here from Jason Owens. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts here? And Jason, if you want to say there won't be a wreck, I'm good with that answer. These aren't like for points or anything. Oh, okay. Then I'm going to change it. I don't think there will be a wreck due to the PJ one. I don't think there will. I think there will be, and I think it's going to get left 124 somewhere there about it. Is that in kilometers laps or miles laps? Because I like, I, that's the one thing about this race that confuses me year to year is the X XL or XL or whatever it is. I don't even know the good job IndyCar marketing, 
is is the three seventy five miles or is it kilometers this year? Because miles. it's like it, it changes is a true year year. distance. It is a true distance. Okay. But I'm not wrong in like thinking that, right? There have been years where this race has been based on kilometers, right? This is the first time ever at Texas Motor Speedway that the number of the race as promoted actually matches the number of miles they're going to run. <laughs> okay. I didn't invent something in my brain. Yay me. Uh, yeah. And quite frankly, I think that wreck comes at like, I'm going to say lap 246. Of 250. I don't think the wreck happens because of the PJ1. I think it just, that's where the wreck starts. But I I honestly think IndyCar is going to work very hard at either doing one of two things. Running this in so they can use it, or they're just not going to use it again. And at which point, they're just going to, at this point, they know for the most part how to avoid it. Uh, the only possible exception being the guy who touches it a little bit and gets run over, a la Sebastian Bourdais last year. Uh, let's move to our next set of picks here, and we will go to Ooh, James. Is Colton. this going to be the question if Colton Herter, Colton Herter is the field? Uh, it will not be. Actually, I don't have that on the list because that is going hey, to happen. Bummer. If Colton Herter is in the lead, there will be an airborne car on a restart. It's dumb that they let them do that. And apparently, we, oh, there we go. I thought we lost Mike there. Uh, James, he did. We are going to come to you for this one. Chevy or Honda, who is your pick for winner this weekend? And will engine have anything to do with it? What manufacturer does Will Power have on his car? Right. <laughs> Jason, Chevy or Honda? Chevy. Any reason? Yeah, it's not a Honda. Okay. He just wanted to say Chevy. It's in my Chevrolet. Yeah. Mike, who's the uh, the winning manufacturer this weekend? Honda. Because I'm a contrarian. Ben, does the winner drive a heavy, a heavy or a Shonda this weekend? <laughs> it ain't a Hemi, Chris. Ain't no Hemi's out there. Well, I think you know what motor my pick drives, so I'm going to say Honda. Of course you would. So that means it's going to leave it to me to be the tiebreaker. Um, I, I, honest to God, thought we were going to have a realistic discussion of things like who's good at this racetrack and this guy's in a Honda versus this guy's <laughs> nah, in a Chevy. Ed's going to win the race. I'm calling it right now. Um, Are you high, Jason? You're going to put 10 on that? I don't know. What's maybe maybe this hoppy in? refresher has some... It does kind of smell skunky, so... Oh, I mean, it, it hops in. Cannabis are similar, are in the same family. But. Does it? Does it belong in the recycling bin? <laughs> Uh, recycle got picked up today the bin is empty <laughs> there's some good news uh, I am going to say Chevrolet because I think Team Penske pulls off another win this week which of the drivers I'm not entirely sure Scotty Mack was very good here last year 
willpower could do willpower things and new garden has to not suck this season or he is definitely on a hot seat so i'm gonna say team penske gets a win this weekend uh and that may change by the time we make our picks for the race by the way next of the prop bets jimmy johnson inside the top 10 jason what do you think uh, i don't want to but i'm gonna say yes Don't want to just because you hate Jimmy Johnson or no, I really like Jimmy Johnson. I'm a huge Jim Jam fan. I think that he will have a really strong race and something will happen. And he will end up between 11th and 14th. So he'll be just outside, but I'm going to say yes. I'm going to cover all bases. Um, And I think we're going to actually be surprised at how well Jr. runs. But Jim Jam will finish 11th through 14th. Book it. Mike McCullen, Jimmy Johnson inside the top 10, yes or no? Boom. Confetti. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Ben, uh, we know you're a yes. Uh, James, does Jimmy uh, Johnson finish inside the top 10? I got to say yes, too. Every one of you is smoking crack. Every one of you. But Sebring, it's in the air. Wait, no, that's Matt. Sorry. The fentanyl is like a dust on the ground in in Green Park. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Could Jimmy Johnson be fun to watch this weekend? Yes, he could be. Is there any chance at all outside of the big one happening that Jimmy Johnson finishes in the top 10? There is not a prayer. Timestamp that one, by the way. Uh, hey, all three to 4.5 listeners, check in next week to see how wrong Chris is. <laughs> Becoming or how weekly, wrong the rest of us are. Becomes a weekly thing. Uh, all right, final fun question for the prop bets here. Which race will have more fans in the grandstands? Sebring or Texas? Oh. Answer this. And the question was asked that way for a reason. In the grandstand? Oh, you're a jerk. And there's no way to verify this. We're just going to go with Ben. We know you hate. We know you hate sports cars. I. Hate their rules and regulations, and I think they're dumb. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, the correct answer is every single NCAA tournament location that has games this weekend will have more fans than any one of those <laughs> racetracks. That is true. It's true. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, um, I'm pretty the sure the answer is Texas. No, actually, Sebring will have more because there will be so many people in dressed up in cow uniforms. There's no grandstands, though. There, are, that is untrue. There are temporary are, grandstands at turn three, at turn seven. <laughs> they, those are not you tall guys can't enough s- to be grandstands. Those are aluminum seating devices. <laughs> There'll still be more people in those bleachers than there'll be in Texas. There are they're more not people. Grand, at- Mike, they're not grand. 
There's stands. There are not there's, stands. Stands. there's more there are just stands. <laughs> there are more people at Sebring right now than will be at Texas. I that didn't was, ask that question. Oh, undoubtedly. I didn't ask that question. But yeah, we will have more asses at bleachers. Uh, so, James, what do you think here? Uh, Sebring, definitely. And we will decide this by a very unscientific survey of us watching both races and just seeing how terrible the TV coverage is. Uh, Jason, who do you think has more fans in the stands, Sebring or Texas? Uh, the NCAA tournament. That's I guess. It, I guess question. if I guess if you go by your definition of grandstands, it kind of has to be Texas. Because even one I, at Texas would be I, more than the grandstands in Sebring. I don't think those stands are very grand. I think they are middle school bleachers, like the kind that you put up on the back and then roll them around on the wheels. They're not actually grandstands. So I don't think they qualify as counting devices. Uh, well, I am going that to say Texas. Win it for him. <laughs> you, you, know, you know, Chris, you actually are going to have two NRN reporters one at each location because I do believe Connor Baldwin will be at Texas. Yes, and he, I am oh, at so, so so new. How much time can we convince Mike to spend on Friday and or Saturday to walk around and count the number of somewhat to morbidly obese white middle aged males <laughs> sitting on the aluminum bleachers, not grandstands, but bleachers at Sebring? <laughs> Probably quite a find bit. more people is probably on the grandstands that people have somehow erected on top of their. I know that's. I was waiting for somebody to bring that up. There's probably somebody that has built grandstands on top of like a 1973 Winnebago chassis <laughs> that will drive it around with a stripper pole, and like four people wearing cow outfits will dance around the pole. And, and that will like somehow qualify for more people than Texas. Uh, you know what? All y'all IndyCar haters, all every one of you guys hate IndyCar. I think they, they actually. IndyCar. I think they draw a decent crowd at Texas. I said Texas. Weekend. I said Texas because I think there'll only be like a thousand people who can fit on the grandstand steeper. That's not the point. Well, exactly. I think they actually. There will still draw... be more people here. A mediocre well, crowd. Of course, more people there. I, I, okay, I will say this: the grandstands at Texas hold one hundred and eighty thousand, so one third full is still sixty thousand people. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Let's go to one quarter full, full, and we can start. You're still talking about a sizable crowd. I think Texas will outdraw Sebring. Period. Let alone in the grandstand. But I asked the question that way just so I could screw with you guys. All right. It is time to make our picks for this weekend. Uh, in summation. Pineapple time. In summation, after our picks from St. Petersburg, Mike McCullen and I are not good at this. We have 10 points each. Uh, I earned 14 with my pick and a four-point deduction for being the biggest loser of the weekend has me at 10. Mike earned 11 with his stellar pick last week, losing one point in the deduction to put him at the 10. Uh, ben followed up uh, 17 points ahead of us. He's on 27, 30 for his pick, three for the anchovy. Uh, 
Jason sitting on 30 points, 32 minus two. And James Watson won the weekend both ways. 36 <laughs> points, no deduction. You are picking last. So if any one of us feel like being absolute pricks, it's time to take willpower. Uh, so we will go to Mike McCullen. Who is your pick to win this weekend at Texas? All right. So I was thinking, should I reconcile my pick with uh, what I said about which manufacturer is going to win? And I've decided, no, no, uh, no I'm not going to. I'm going to pick Scott McLaughlin. Comfort all my bases. See, that makes things a little bit difficult for me because I did call a Penske driver to win, which means I either have to absolutely hose James and make him cheer for someone else this week, or I can pick the guy who I actually think is going to win, and that is Joseph Newgard. Uh, yeah, you thought your Venus V game pick was bad. I, you know what? Just for that little snide remark there, sorry, James. I'm taking Will Power to win this weekend. You can thank so Ben. So you're going to punish me because one. Ben's being an asshole? Really? It's not pretty cool. Much. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. I'm always an asshole. <laughs> but default state should be expected. Oh, and you're my still goodness. nicer than Rossi. I don't know. Because well, Rossi's just an asshole. I'm an asshole with a smile. I'm an asshole, and I'm proud of it. Uh, Jason, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get myself a 1967 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. Hot pink with whale skin hubcaps. Jason, who is your pick to win this weekend at Texas? Uh, so I had a pick that I was going to go with until you dropped that reference. So I'm going to, um, <laughs> it's going to be one of the two Utes. Um, I'm going to go with Kirkwood. I think he's going to surprise. I was actually going to pick Ed Carpenter until you brought out that the Cadillac reference, but I'm going to go with Kirkwood. I think he's going to surprise on the oval and he's going to pull down a win. Are you sure there's not meth in whatever it is you're drinking tonight? No. So Kirkwood was the fastest at the rookie test in Texas. He ran really well on ovals in the IL 15. I think he will surprise. Foyt has always been better on ovals than road courses. I like I was going to go with Ed because I think this is Ed's sunset year, but um preview of my pick for the 500 Ed in a walk off, but Kirkwood's going to win this weekend. Book it. Oh. I'm not you know what? I'm not even going near that. We're just going to let that stand all on its own. Uh, ben, it is your turn to pick. Who is the race winner this weekend at Texas? Uh, well, part of me really wants to pick Jimmy Johnson. Um, just because. I think he has to be forced into picking Jimmy Johnson. And I am going to pick Jimmy Johnson. There we go. Uh, Stand so, by your man. All, and I'll explain this pick. And there is some logic to this pick. Number one, Jimmy Johnson is very good at driving race cars on ovals. That's an indisputable fact. Don't care what you say. Number two, 
we saw the results of his test at Texas, where he went out and within what was it, his second run, third run, he was matching Scott Dixon's time. And he's in a Ganassi. He's in one of the best cars. That hasn't helped him because he is on road and street courses where he is just not technically proficient enough. He doesn't know how to drive down course cars on a road street course. However, that learning curve is significantly shorter on an oval, especially for somebody who has tools and tools of experience on an oval. I genuinely think he can run very, very well. And remember, this guy has been running, hasn't sniffed the top 15 for like a year and a half, a seven-time champion, a guy who has won 80-something NASCAR races, <laughs> who is used to being one of the best in his sport, has not won. He, he is trying to so hard he to wants justify to be this. These are all legitimate reasons. These are a lot of words in the English language, and I don't understand any of them. All right, James. Well, that's let's, because you're drinking cannabis. Let's, <laughs> let's just, just pick someone else. Um, yes, you do. And by the way, here, hold on a second. We now have a title for James, this episode. Based, based just on the picks that have been made thus far, this is the Rufy Colada edition of Pizza <laughs> at the Pagoda. James, here's who you have available. Just a smattering of names. Take Pillow. Alex Pillow, Colton Herta, Roman Grosjean, Renus no BK, Graham Rahal, Scott Dixon. Winner. Yeah, I picked Pillow. All right. That uh, quick pick and a good one. I, I am. He was very good here last year. He was impressive. Uh, so let's just so let's look at the names here that have not been picked. Colton Herta, Grosjean, BK, Ray Hall, Dixon, Erickson, Sato, Lundgaard, Award, Harvey, Castroneves, Pagano. Back through the top 15 in points. We are experts. So now I think we. Like McLaughlin pick is based in some reality. He was fastest on his test. Uh, yeah, Scotty Mack. Okay, Scotty Mack is a good pick. But I'm talking about the Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Kirkwood picks. Um, uh, you hey, know what? Somebody picked Alex Pelot to win the championship after Barber last year. Yeah, because he's also on a top team, not driving a fight. Yeah, somebody track. picked the guy who won the first race on the best team in IndyCar to win the championship. What a shocker. turn your lights on. <laughs> oh my God, a Shadow Jesus reference. That's awesome. If Kyle Kirkwood wins back. this race on Sunday... I will do consecutive Jaeger bombs for every one of you guys. Not Jaeger bombs, Irish car bomb. Five of them, back to back. Let's do it. Let's go. Uh, James Watson. Here, let's, get, let's get James's uh, yes. pineapple pick in because he's got to go run his 87th uh, iRacing League race of the day. Okay. Who is the anchovy? Uh, the, this is going to. I hate to do this, but I have to go with Rossi again. I just can't really just uh, I want to say uh, New Garden, but it's just kind of unfathomable for me to pick against him on an oval, especially on Texas where he's done really well. So I kind of have to go with Rossi again. 
dangerously close to chalk pick territory. But opening weekend of the college basketball tournament, we'll give it to you. Uh, let's see. So we will go to James, by the way, thank you for joining us before he disappears. I guess he disappeared. Uh, Mike McCullen, we are back to you. Alexander Rossi is off the board. Who's the anchovy of the weekend? Jimmy Johnson. Would it be- We're all expecting him. We're all expecting him to do well. If he, I don't think he's got it. Well, no, it's Jimmy Johnson. I'm picking Jimmy Johnson. Uh, again, is that a chalk pick? We are actually going to have to discuss this uh, when we I don't, we review. No, I don't. I no, think, I this think race, that, oval, that is absolutely that not is a chalk. Absolutely pick. valid. I think I think he's going to underperform what his expectations are because that's what our definition he, of anchovy is. It's who's underperforming expectations for that race. Our expectations are humans. Mike just said that Jim Jam is going to be the uh, Milka Dunno of ovals this weekend. <laughs> I did not say that. I just said he's going to underperform. Dude, I'm totally <laughs> just trying to create shit for me. Carzel's going to firebomb my house. Well, but you're not there, at least. My cats are. <laughs> Ooh. So you come home to fresh cats. Well, I'll take food. your cats. I like cats. I'll take your cats. I'll give them a nice, loving home, and then I'll fireball it. My rig, if too. That makes you feel better. Oh, I'll Brand steal that. Uh, okay, it is. I'll take it the is... Formula V2 Jesus. Steal my cats, steal my rib, firebomb my house? I thought you were my friend. <laughs> Uh, I'm a Jimmy Johnson fan first. <laughs> as I stare at all of my Jimmy Johnson diecasts. That is Jimmy Johnson should be racing the 12 hours of Sebring in the 48 Ally car this weekend. That's where that's he should true. be. And that's where his okay. mind is going to be. He wishes he was respecting the bumps at Sebring as opposed to dealing with that bullshit PJ1. Moment of absolute seriousness. If I was Jimmy Johnson... After retiring from NASCAR, I would not have run IndyCar. I would have gone, found a nice IMSA program, and become an IMSA driver. Probably it's an IMSA driver. No, in GT. He could have had a very, very just... long career in GT and just showed up to screw off and play. You don't play in IndyCar. You want to race at Long Beach? Go race at Long Beach. He totally, totally could have done a Patrick Dempsey until Patrick Dempsey's wife said, it's me or the racing. <laughs> Who is Patrick Dempsey's wife? Is that a, is that a, is that a smart choice? Well, apparently it was for Patrick because he quit racing. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's investigate. And Ben, we wonder why you're single. Uh, my pick for Anchovy of the Weekend. Another guy who has been Don't picked steal mine. as Don't a steal race mine, winner, Chris. Scott McLaughlin. Okay, Ooh, I like this. Everybody, that, that's a potentially nice everybody that's a good pick. has a hard-on for this guy that, oh, he finished second last year. Bob. Okay, field's deep, new season. Yes, he's got to win. I get it. Have some confidence. If Scott McLaughlin is not top five, the weekend's a failure.
Uh, let's see. Yeah. I forget who the uh, what the batting order was here now. Uh, let's see. Ben, we come to you now. Anchovy of the week. Don't steal mine. This is tough. I don't even know who Jason's anchovy is. Um, so don't tell me because I will. You could just be a total dick and say uh, Ed Carpenter. I was thinking about saying Ed Carpenter. He was buzzing. Around I mean, he has him. underperformed at the last couple of Texas races. That's totally. I bad. feel like his whole thing. He's underperformed for the last five years at everywhere. Yeah, his whole thing Indy. is twenty-five. I meant Carpenter and he I meant ovals, and he's not good at them. Well, he is good at them, but he's not winning them. If you're going to be Mister Ovals and be old, you have to win them. At least one of them. At some point, uh, yeah. No, it's it's irritating. It's frustrating. I'm in my second BBR, by the way. Um, oh, my fourth. He's heavy, heavily drinking tonight. Uriah. Yeah, I'm gonna move into the vodka. After this. Uh, you should have seen me during Thunderdome and after Thunderdome. Mike was trying to teach me Road Atlanta, and I was like six shots in. You took two great. seconds off your time at Road Atlanta. I take. Hey, we just got a Thunderdome reference on here. That is super <laughs> obscure, obscure corners of the internet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. I will wildly. say, drunk driving uh, a Porsche GT3. All right, let's move along. <laughs> entertaining times. Um, this okay. is tough. I'm gonna go. This is hurting me. I'm going to go with Grosjean. Roman I just, Grosjean. I just feel like... Are we expecting anything out of him on his first oval? Oh, no, his second oval. His first speedway. It's, it's first speedway. And I think watching McLaughlin come over and run second in his first speedway. First oval, period. In anything. I feel like it shows that a good race car driver can come and adapt quickly and they will learn. So you're making an argument for why Grosjean's going to do well after you picked him to be the answer. Hear me out. That's a pretty shadow Jesus. Grosjean. (laughs) Okay. You watched St. Petersburg. I was there. I saw you watching it. He is unbelievably aggressive. Which is a strength on road and street courses in these cars. It is not going to be a strength. He is going to sail it in. Did you see Gateway? He made some insane moves. And if he makes it Texas, he will end up in a wall. It's. I have a very strong feeling that Roman Grosjean will try to make some move. In fact, he will be the first PJ1 caution. There's my prediction. Oh, oh. Uh, you know what? We're going to add this. Grosjean will think he is a better race driver, race car driver than everybody else. And will go, I can run the PJ one and it will not work because that's what he's done. He does this. I, I don't disagree with it. Uh, it's actually a fairly logical pick here. Uh, but before this, this we might go be the most logical thing Ben said, <laughs> This I don't is know. This is a smarter pick than picking Jimmy Johnson to win. Significant. Uh, Jason, who, since you've been uh, cowering in the corner that somebody was going to take your pick, who is the anchovy of the weekend? Herta. 
he is uh, has been talking in the media for several weeks about how he has to show up and win on ovals. He is going to uh, overdrive the car, uh, and I think it's more likely that he would be the first PJ1 caution than Crushon. Uh, I think Herta is going to have a terrible week overall. I think he's going to tub two chassis, and he is going to be the anchovy of the week. Wow. Going to tub. First PJ1, two tubs. Good Lord. Well, it's going to be an interesting weekend. That's putting it mildly. Wait a minute. And the best part is for our live race watch. No, no, no. For our live race watch on Sunday, I'm going to be in the lounge in Toronto with free champagne, and it's going to be fun. And you will have a camera on you. You know it. It's going to be fantastic. And by the way, I lied earlier in the show because fucking Texas. We'll get to that one in just a moment. Coming up on Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, NTT IndyCar Series practice number one will take to the moderately banked and high banked Texas Motor Speedway. Saturday, 2 p.m. in the East, NTT IndyCar Series qualifications. Final practice is on Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Because that makes a ton of sense. On Sunday, 12 to 12.30, the IndyCar Series pre-race show on Sirius XM and the IndyCar Radio Network. 12.30 p.m., the broadcast window begins. That extends until 3 p.m. And then starting at 3, the all-new, streaming-only IndyCar Series post-race show, including the full podium, which I am actually fairly excited about. Make You have to include that, I, I think going forward here coming up for the and again here's fucking texas the race this weekend is not 250 laps which would equal 375 miles it's 248 laps yes it is adding up to 600 kilometers so why are we out of here get that science unit stuff out of here Actually, it Angry makes a West lot more noises. sense than the, the, the freedom units that we all have somehow affixed in our brain that actually make no logical sense whatsoever. Okay, uh, this may not be totally fucking Texas. If you divide 375 by 248, you get... You're expecting us to do math. I, nope, I just did it for you. The <laughs> lap distance, that would measure the lap distance at 1.512096777 miles. So a tick over one and a half miles. Why can't we just make it 250 and have nice numbers? I don't know. Because you don't see you don't see the vision here. Two Clearly we don't eight two forty eight. No? No. What are you talking about? He's making Andy a Jimmy Carr Johnson has reference. It that Jimmy Johnson will win two forty-eight. The forty-eight will lead lap two forty-eight and win the race. First of all, I seriously worry about you. This is the least worrying thing I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, all right, I, I seriously am concerned is. about you. 
let's recap things here. Texas race winners. Ben has Jimmy Johnson. James has Alex Palou. We're back to normalcy until Jason picks Kyle Kirkwood for the win. Y'all laugh. Better put your bets in. Hey, not on Kirkwood. You know what? I might put money on Kirkwood just because. Because if Jason's right, I want to parlay on this. Uh, Mike picking Scotty McLaughlin to get his second win of the season. And I completely screwed James Watson taking Will Power. Anchovy, worst guy of the weekend. Ben says Roman Grosjean. James saying Alexander Rossi. Jason taking Colton Herta. Mike taking Jimmy Johnson, which is probably a pretty good pick. And I am taking Scotty Mack because, uh, quite frankly, he has to be really good or the weekend's not good. But with that, it is time for us to get the hell out of here. We are right about one hour and 30 minutes or so on this episode. Thank you, everybody, if you're still listening. We're not entirely sure why you are. Join us on Sunday, starting at 12, uh, we'll say probably 12.15 in the East. For the NTT IndyCar Series, watch along with the clown co-hosts of the Pizza at the Pagoda IndyCar podcast right here. Will I be allowed on my flight to Europe? Let's see. (laughs) When Jason's doing shoeys because Kyle Kirkwood wins at Texas. Who's over the Atlantic? Will my wife divorce me right there in the terminal? If you do a shoey in the lounge in Toronto... 1,000%. Find out on as Jimmy Johnson's car turns around coming up this Sunday right here on the National (laughs) Racing Network. In Victory Donuts. For Ben Carswell. Probably shame. We are such a dumpster fire. For Ben Carswell, James Watson, Jason Owens, and Mike McCullen. My name is Chris Graham. Thank you for listening to this. We're still not sure why you're here, but we love you. Be safe. Love each other. We'll see you on Sunday. <laughs>